I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We have one of the most interesting titles this week on our End Death, Dying, and the Future Hope series. The Lesson 10 here is titled, The Fires of Hell. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you have put the talking points together for this week. You can take a topic like that and, and run with it. So what, 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 what was it like putting this lesson together, Pastor? All right. Well, you know, it's been interesting this quarter. Uh, last week we had one week on, um, what was it? Not contrary. Was it contrary? Yeah, passages, contrary passages. Question mark. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many passages that could be looked at. Mm-hmm. And so we've been looking at immortality and the, you know, connected teachings of that, um, whether true or false. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at the fires of hell, specifically at the idea of an eternally burning hell which we do okay. not believe is a biblical doctrine, and we're going to be looking at that this week. Okay. And, um, but again, it's one week, and there's actually so much you could look at on mm. this subject. Um, so it's... So it's going to be packed. It's going to be packed. Okay. We are not going to exhaust the passages that could be looked at, just like we talked about with the um, difficult passages last right. week, but I think we'll get a clear idea of... Uh, in light of what we've already looked at, of what the Bible teaches about. What I said in our outline, actually, is this week's lesson focuses on eternal judgment, which is a scriptural term, Hebrews 6.2. Mm-hmm. actually calls it one of the basics mm. of Christianity. And the false doctrine of eternally burning hell and related errors. Interesting. So we're going to discern the truth, what God's Word says, from the error that many people believe. Lord willing, yes. But we should do so after we begin with the word of prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time to study. Thank you for the Bible study guide that's been put together. And thank you for your word that is the ultimate authority of all of our faith and practice. And Lord, as we look at the important topic of the truth about the nature of hell and what the Bible teaches and what it doesn't, help us to be clear. Help us to be, um, not just in our own understanding, but in our presentation to the world, help it to be uh, consistent with your word and a revelation of your character. So guide us now, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, talking point number one this week, Pastor Cameron, is mm-hmm. hell is hotter than most people think. <laughs> that okay. is drawn from Sunday and Monday. Looking forward to that one already. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, number two, the only intermediate state is the grave, drawn mm. from Tuesday's lesson. And... Number three, eternal life is for believers only. And that mm. is drawn from Wednesday and Thursday. Well, let's, uh, clearly the, the, the title of those three that really probably stands out most people is Hell <laughs> is Hotter Than Most People Think. What on, the, on earth do you mean? Well, why don't we start out in the Gospel of Mark. Okay. And I'm going to have you read for us chapter 9, verses 42 to 48. Mark, Mark 9. 9. 42 to 48. All right, here we go. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into into life maimed rather than having two hands, to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye 
rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Okay, now we are going to look at that passage a little more, a little deeper in just a minute, but this is one of so many passages in the New Testament where the Bible brings up the idea of a burning place called hell. Mm -hmm. Now, Time doesn't permit us to get into the different definite or the, the different original words here, but sometimes the word translated hell comes from the word, the the Greek word um, Gehenna, which has to do with a place of burning. Mm-hmm. But then other times it has either words that refer to Old and New Testament mm-hmm. to the grave and not mm-hmm. to a place of burning. Okay, and that kind of thing. This does refer to a place of burning. And for Mm -hmm. a lot of folks, they read into this. And, well, before I get there, the point is that the teaching of hellfire is a biblical doctrine, very clearly from the words of Christ here. There are other places in the the Scripture, as I said. And so it's funny, and you've heard this, and I know I've heard this. Sometimes people say, well, Adventists don't believe in hell. Well, that's Mm. not true at all. What oftentimes is being referred to is Seventh-day Adventists don't believe that the Bible teaches an eternally burning hell, Mm -hmm. but it does teach a burning hell, and we do believe that. It's just that, as I put in our notes, the fact is that the Adventists or the Bible's hell is much hotter than eternally burning hell because it accomplishes its purpose in a much shorter time. Okay. So (laughs) the idea is that Adventists do teach that there is that God will destroy the wicked with fire. And right? let's mark that word destroy, mm-hmm. annihilate. Right. So they he's not just going to harm them, he's going right. to end them. And that's, that's the big ex- distinction. That's exactly right. Okay. And uh, there's a statement there from Desire of Ages. You want to read that for us? Sure. Desire of Ages 636 says, Few believe with heart and soul that we have a hell to shun and a heaven to win. So I think the point you're trying to make there is not only the Bible teach about hell and burning, That's right. but here the spirit of prophecy talks about how just as much as there's a heaven to win, That's there's exactly a hell right. to shun. So we have the so two options. So Seventh-day Adventists certainly believe in the biblical teaching of hell. So we run into this with other Christians like, I can't believe Adventists don't believe in hell. The Bible's so clear. No, we do believe in hell. But we believe well, what we, the Bible what we believe says. About it. I believe yeah. what we believe about the, the hell is what the Bible teaches about hell. For example, the next point I have here is, and we're going to go back to that verse in a minute, the Bible often uses such terms as unquenchable, eternal, and everlasting to refer to effect and not duration. Mm. Let's take our passage that we just looked at. And it actually just jumped out at me while we were reading it now mm-hmm. that Jesus contrasts, go, contrasts going being cast into hellfire with life. Did you notice that? Mm. If you would enter, it's better to enter into life mm-hmm. than into that fiery other option. Yeah. Which for many Christians is life. It's just life mm. in another place. So it's kind of interesting the way that Lord uses the words there. But what's more interesting is that he... He's repetitive. And for some mm-hmm. people, it's like, well, the worm does not die and the fire's not quenched. He's so emphatic. But what he's emphatic about is a quote. Mm. And I think a lot of Christians miss this when they're looking at Scripture. When a New Testament author quotes an Old Testament mm. author, mm. I mean, if you ever quote somebody, you typically quote them because of their bearing on what you're talking about. In sure. other words, you don't quote what you Just don't know. Random assumption. I think I heard, maybe heard this. No, you're quoting something you're familiar with. You're like, hey, that fits right here. Mm-hmm. I have to believe that Jesus understood the passage he was quoting. Mm-hmm. And if we go back and look at that, which we're going to do, Isaiah 66, verse 24. And my Bible has it referenced three times. Do you have mm-hmm. it? I do. 
It says, and they shall go forth, they here in the context being the redeemed, the righteous, mm-hmm. right? They shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. So that phrase, their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched, Jesus quotes three times. He's referring it back to here. Isaiah is talking about the wicked and he says that the righteous are going to look on the, what's the word? Corpses of the men. Now the last time I checked, Pastor Cameron, a corpse Mm. is not a disembodied spirit. Mm. It just means... It's not a person that is alive in any way, shape, or form. It is the dead body. It's the body of a dead person, yes. And so Jesus uses that from Isaiah. So so as he's going through what he's talking about here, he's referencing something that's talking about corpses of the dead. Mm. And to your point earlier, he's contrasting that with entering life. So you can either enter life or you can have the experience Isaiah is talking about here about being... A corpse of a dead, having That's suffered right. that eternal fire. That's right. And so if you look at the passage again, it's like, well, but wait a minute, though. It says the fire shall not be quenched. The word quenched means put out. Put out. Yeah. Right? Have you... Now, I know you have a wood stove in your house. In fact, you have a wood stove and a pellet burner. You have two I kinds like, of burning... I like burning to burn all in. kinds of things to stay warm here in Michigan. <laughs> and I know that in the wintertime, mm-hmm. I have a pellet burner. I've had a wood stove. Mm-hmm. And when I have wood stove, one thing I wished was that the fire would never go out. <laughs> but yeah. I can guarantee you this. I never put the, sto- the fire out in my stove. It never was quenched. Mm. But you know what happens to a fire that's not quenched? It just goes out. It still own. goes yeah. out when it's done burning what it's burning. Mm. And Jesus is talking about judgment. And the point he's making here is the wicked are not going to be able to be rescued mm-hmm. from the flame. They're not going to be rescued from the judgment. Right. The fire will not be put out. That doesn't mean it won't go out because in clearly mm. in the passage went out. Maybe you go to this later on the talking points, I'm not sure, but we have examples of people who have suffered that fire, right? That's exactly right. And we see that they're not still burning this day, but they are also, it was not quenched until the That's job right. was done. Right? Well, we're going to go to some like that. One, okay. one that I don't have in here is it talks about a fire that God kindled in the gates of Jerusalem, and he uses the exact language that it wouldn't be quenched. Mm. But we know Jerusalem's not burning today, Interesting. and yet the fire wasn't quenched. It burned until the job was done. Right. And this is what I mean by hell is hotter than most people think. So it most is, people have this idea that hell is a place where God doesn't actually do the work of destruction. He just does the work of tormenting. So it's a low flame. It's a, you know, you know I think about the story of Daniel's three friends in the simmer. fire furnace. They're like the king's anger was so, I'm going to burn, make it seven times hotter. Mm-hmm. And I've always kind of thought like, if I were going to be destroyed in a fire, I'd want it to be a real hot one and just get the job done real quick, right? Um, and I'm not trying to make light of the topic, sure. but the point is that the purpose, I think that you're, the, the, what, the point you're trying to drive at is that the purpose of hellfire, as the Bible describes it, is not merely a punitive taking it out on them for all eternity. Right. It's, it's the destruction of the wicked and the restoration of the universe back to the way God it originally is, intended it. Again, it's so funny. This is the only place I think people talk about destruction where it doesn't mean destruction. Mm. So true. Like, it is destruction. Now, somebody may say, well, it says eternal, and you don't believe eternal. No, I do believe eternal, but I want to go back to what I said. The Bible often uses terms as unquenchable, eternal, and everlasting to refer to effect and not duration. Mm -hmm. The effect of the wicked's judgment is eternal. They're never coming back. Never more shall they have anything to do. Yeah. Exactly. Now, we're going to see that in other places, but I want to share in the fifth paragraph on Sunday's lesson, it asks the question, but what about the worms that never die? 
The metaphoric language of Isaiah 66, 24, quoted in Mark 9, 48, does not imply that those worms are immortal. The <laughs> emphasis is on the fact that the worms do not leave their destructive task incomplete. Mm. In other words, they continue to devour the bodies of the wicked until these bodies are destroyed. Mm. Uh, so you've got a final, a finality to an eternal sense of mm. the penalty of the judgment. There's a permanence there that's un, you know, you can't change it. Yeah, that's right. Now let's look also at Jude seven. Okay. Now the the lesson brings in Malachi four to to give some clarity to that. I'm a little disappointed they didn't bring up Second Peter two six, and you'll see why. Because Second Peter two and Jude seven are talking about the exact same thing. Mm, so why don't true. you read Jude 7, and then I'll get to 2 Peter 2. Sure. We pick up it in the middle of the sentence here in Jude 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Okay, now notice they're set forth as an example of the final judgment. Mm-hmm. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, we know Sodom and Gomorrah are not burning today. Right. So, this is, the Bible uses the term eternal fire. I've had people argue with me and say, it says eternal right there. And you're saying the Bible's not Yes, true. but look at the example it gives of right. eternal fire. Right. Yeah. I'm not the one who wrote this out. Now, notice how Peter words the very same thing. Mm. And he's not contradicting Jude, but he says in um, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, He's talking about, in fact, verse 4 says, If God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell mm -hmm. and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, which is another one of those passages we can spend time with, but they're reserved. In fact, the word hell there is Tartaro. It's not the Gehenna word we're looking at. But he says, verse 6, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, ashes condemned them to destruction. destruction making them an example. example to those who would afterward live ungodly. So very clearly saying the same thing as Jude, this is an example of the final judgment on the wicked, mm. and he turns them to ashes. ashes. Why don't you look up Malachi 4, verse 1? Okay. Malachi is the last book in the I Old like, Testament. That's an Old Testament book, right? Mm, that's right. <laughs> Malachi chapter 4. Old Testament book, same concept. We'll see it right. Verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. Okay, mm. burn them up. They'll be turned to ashes, Peter says. The idea of the stubble. eternal fire or the everlasting... The, the point of these passages is the results are eternal. Mm. They're turned to ashes. There's not going to be a coming back from this for the wicked. Mm. Um, so sometimes, and, and I again, think this can... eternal, this ex this eternal fire, according to the passages we looked at, was an example of the final, what I would call, I had judgment. And I changed the word to annihilation of the wicked in hell. Yes, and because, and just because we say, well, good thing it's not eternal conscience, conscious suffering and torment, doesn't mean like, oh, it's great. No, it's still going to be bad. It's still going to yes. be burning. But the effect is, the permanence of the effect is, I think, the point that Christ and all these other biblical writers were trying to underscore, that there isn't another chance of salvation. It's not like a, you know, you think of some of our friends in other denominations mm -hmm. who are other religious faiths who think, well, after death, if you didn't quite get things right, then God will spare it to spirit prison or to purgatory or something and work it out of you, and then you can come back. 
But the, the point that you're trying to drive out, I think that these passages clearly speak, mm-hmm. is, the, is the unequivocal, irredeemable quality of this death. That once you have been destroyed in this manner, this is not first death, this is second death, right? That's right. That there's no resurrection from this, there's no coming back from it, the, the result is permanent. It is eternal judgment. <laughs> and that's a big deal. That's, it's eternal in its gravity. So Monday, the last two paragraphs say the theory of an everlasting punishment of the wicked has serious implications. If the wicked are punished forever, then evil will never be eradicated. Now, a lot of people don't think about that. Like, Mm. if the evil people are still alive somewhere, then evil will always exist throughout eternity. sin itself is still going to be around. And that is not what the Bible teaches. So if the wicked are punished forever, then evil will never be eradicated. Also, all human life derives from God, which is a clear teaching of Scripture. He, Mm -hmm. you know, so... Um, who has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, Ezekiel 36.9. Uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 33.11. Why then would he continue to grant life to the wicked to suffer in endless torment? Would it not be much more reasonable for him to just end their existence? If the wicked will be punished according to their works, Revelation 20.12, why then should a short human life be punished endlessly? There's all these what-if questions. All Bible references to the eternal fire should be seen as allusions to the post-millennial lake of fire of Revelation 20, uh, which we're going to get to in a further lesson. Thus, it is unbiblical to speak of an already present, ever-burning hell. Another word the Bible uses when it talks about hell is reserved unto judgment. We just mm. read that. That means it's not now. It's sometime it's, it's later. A, it's a point in time. It's not a place of so, endless duration. Uh, several of these things that we, time permitting, would see that the popular theory of hell, the place of burning, the duration of burning, the time of burning, and all this is off from what Scripture teaches. Yeah. So, point number one, hell's hotter than most people think. It annihilates yeah. the wicked and does away with sin and sinners forever. You, the, it begs the question in my mind always, man, if it's not biblical and it's not nice, how did it become so popular? <laughs> I don't know, but it's, you said it's the popular notion, and yes, a lot it of people is. think that. Go uh, on. Number two, the only intermediate state is the grave. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to look up the passage. I do have it cited here, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. In that passage, the Apostle Paul talks about, and this was in last week's lesson. Mm-hmm. I just realized that last week I said we'll talk about it this week because I had made up my talking point lesson, but it's not in the lesson this week. It's in my lesson this <laughs> it's week. It's in your lesson this week. It is kind of in the lesson, the concept, but at any rate, this is the text that came to my mind okay. that the Apostle Paul talks about being absent from the body mm. and present with the Lord. And a lot of uh-huh. people point to that, and they say, well, that's such an evident teaching that as soon as, as soon as a person dies, they go straight to heaven. They have our only two choices are either going to yeah. be here or there, period. But when you look at the passage, and I mean even as I've walk, walked through this with Seventh-day Adventists, they miss that there, there are three clear states of existence Paul addresses. Mm. One is our existence in our earthly bodies. He talks about this tent or this Mm -hmm. house that we're in. And then he talks about being absent from this body and present with the Lord. He talks about our heavenly existence, a building from God Mm -hmm. and being further clothed. But what a lot of people read over is there's an intermediate state. Do you happen to have it there? And I forget which particular verse, 7, 8, somewhere in there. um, Yes. Talks about not wanting to be found naked. Well, let me make sure I've got the right passage here. Second Corinthians. Did yeah, I say? Second yeah, Corinthians. Five. Yeah, five. Here it is. I'm looking at seven and eight. So, um, I should. Yeah, there's there's our key passage in verse eight. Yeah. Uh, where it says, "We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord." Mm-hmm. Um, 
but is before that when he says, not that I want to be unclothed. Oh, no, here he is. But further clothed. Yeah, it says, um, well, it starts in verse 1, of course. <laughs> I'm just trying to, where's the beginning of a sentence? But for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. People are like, well, there's your two choices, right? Um, but it says how, if indeed we've been clothed, we shall not be found, verse 3, naked. Well, because in verse 1, it mm-hmm. sets up, there's this house and there's the next one, and we don't want to be found naked. Well, what is that third option? Yeah. Nakedness. And so, to your point, that there are the passage actually outlines. So, I was going to save three. time by not walking through the passage, but, but when you are, walk through the passage, <laughs> you very clearly see that there is a third state, and that is the intermediate state. And as I have them in the talking point, the only intermediate state is death in the grave. Mm-hmm. I didn't have room for all that, so I put the only intermediate state is the grave. But Paul, when Paul talks about being naked or unclothed, you either have your earthly body or your heavenly body. In the, in the middle, you have no body. And this is not a disembodied spirit, if you read the Apostle Paul. You're unclothed. You just aren't. And he says, yeah. that's not what I want to be. I'm not talking yeah. about that. But he also knows that as soon as a person dies, the next conscious thought mm-hmm. they have is being present with the Lord. So um, I also have in the handout that the apostle clearly knew that he wouldn't be present with the Lord until the second coming of Jesus. First Thessalonians 4.17, when he talks mm-hmm. about the Lord himself with the sound, with the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. Then mm-hmm. we will always be with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Thus Not before we shall then. be with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, he That's talks how. about how he's fought the good fight, right? And mm-hmm. and how he he has a crown of now life laid up, for laid up for him at that day. Mm-hmm. So the Apostle Paul didn't believe he's going to die and he's going to straight into glory. Mm-hmm. There's one intermediate state. Consequently, and the reason I, I built on that is Tuesday talks about things like purgatory. This mm-hmm. intermediate state where you die and then you have a little bit of time. If you're on the bad side of things, you kind of dress things up. You have a little bit mm. of life, do some good works or your family can pay some money or pray some prayers mm. and get you out of purgatory and get you into heaven. The Bible doesn't teach anything like that. There is one intermediate state that's in the grave. There's no more probation. There's no more choices. You have no more conscious living. There is no atonement available after death. This life is our only probation. It's such a simple concept. We have this life, then there is death, and then Christ gives eternal life or permanent destruction right. when he comes. Those the are decision is made here. here like why life. all the urgency? What does a man profit? If he gain the whole world but lose his own soul, and all of these urgency, like, make the right choice now, do the right thing now, or after you die in purgatory, or have your family pay some money forward or whatever. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. You can think the advantage to Satan's ground would be if you can get people in the one time they have probationary time to think that they've got some other time, Mm -hmm. right? How What a benefit that could be to his, his position, but... Uh, Christ and his word is very clear. This life is where decisions are made. Well, the lesson quotes from Ellen White, uh, Manuscript 51, 1890, on the bottom of Tuesday's lesson. It says, she says, Satan's work since his fall is to misinterpret our Heavenly Father. He suggested the dogma of the immortality of the soul. The idea of an eternally burning hell was the production of Satan. Purgatory is his invention. These teachings falsify the character mm. of God that he shall be regarded as severe, revengeful, arbitrary, and not exercising forgiveness. I mean, how arbitrary mm. is that? It's like, yeah, you need to behave in this life. There's going to be punishment. Oh, but by the way, if you pay some money or your family pays some money, then the whole it's thing gross. is just, yeah. yes, it is. <laughs> it's gross. Which moves us to talking point number three. Eternal life is for believers only. I don't know how we missed this. The most quoted verse in the world. 
Christian and non-Christian alike is John 3.16. You see it in sports games. John 3.16, God mm-hmm. so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should have everlasting life. And for mm. some reason, if you're alive forever in hell, that doesn't mean everlasting life. I've mm-hmm. had people argue this with me. I was like, look, everlasting life is for the believer. Well, people in hell don't have everlasting life. They just live forever and burn in hell. Well, live forever. Everlasting <laughs> or eternal life. Well, you look at John 3.16, and the two options aren't just whoever believes will have everlasting life. It's whoever. That's right. And not perish. That's right. Like, so There's it already option. lays out the two. You know, you think about the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life, right? right? And, There's and these perishing, yeah. perishing, uh, yeah, you it's can the same live thing forever in hell, and that's perishing. Yeah. No, it's not. That's living. You know, so uh, a key problem with the false concept I have here in our notes of the immortality of the soul is that it removes the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. If everybody's mm. immortal, guess what? Everybody lives forever. Mm-hmm. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible, to be, you know, of course, it, it supposes that because everyone's an immortal, you've got to inherit eternal life in one way or another. Mm. It's a presupposition, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible's clear that the resurrection at the second coming, mm. with rare exception, we've talked about Enoch and, and Moses and Elijah. True. Um, the Bible is clear that the resurrection at the second coming, with rare exception, is the only way to heaven. Mm. Acts 2, 29, 34, and 35, brought out in the lesson, says that David, our patriarch David, is still here with us. His, his, he is in his grave, still buried today, and he was mm-hmm. a man after God's own heart. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 16 to 18 is where Paul talks about how um, if Christ isn't raised and if there is no resurrection of the dead, then our faith is futile. We we've perished. In fact, yeah. he says we've perished. Those who have died in Christ have perished. Mm. Well, how is that if they go straight? And the lesson, in fact, makes a good point on that in uh, Wednesday's lesson, the last paragraph. You want to read that for us? Sure. It says, also, what could Paul possibly talk about in 1 Corinthians fifteen eighteen when he said that if there were no resurrection of the dead, then, quote, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. How could they have perished if they are already in the bliss of heaven and have been there for, for however long since they died? A central and key doctrine of the New Testament, the resurrection of the dead when Christ returns, is made null and void by the false teaching that the righteous dead soar off to their eternal reward right after they die. Nevertheless, we hear it all the time, especially at funerals. Yeah, what's the big deal with the resurrection? Now, we've already talked about the resurrection. So again, the the Bible's clear that the resurrection at the second coming, with rare exception, is the only way to heaven. More importantly, and this is what we want to get to, The resurrection is when God has chosen to give the gift of eternal life, because he's the only one Mm -hmm. immortal, to those who believe. As I have in our notes here, as we have studied, immortality is an attribute of God who alone is immortal. 1 John 6.15 and 16, 1 Timothy rather, 6.15 and 16, God alone has immortality. John 1.4, in him was life, Mm -hmm. and that life was the light of men. God has chosen to give immortal or eternal life to those who believe in Jesus, John 3, 16, we mentioned, and 1 John 5, 11, and 12. He who has the Son has, has life. life. God has given life, and this life is in his Son. And God has chosen to confer that eternity, eternal life or immortality upon the believers, mm-hmm. only the believers, at Christ's coming. 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians 15, 22, and 3. At the last day, Jesus mm-hmm. said four times in John chapter 6. At the last trump, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, Matthew 24, 31. Um, very clearly, eternal life is for believers only. If you're not a believer, God's not giving you eternal life in any form. You mm. will be destroyed. Mercy. 
It's it's so incredibly, it's almost startlingly simple that we have the life we have now, and if we believe in Jesus, we can have eternal life with Him, or we will be destroyed, you know, with the wicked. That's that's the, the only option. That's right. Well, there's a great quote on that on the last quote on Thursday's lesson, but for sake of time, I want to jump to the concluding sure. quote here. It's found um, in Friday's lesson from Great Controversy 545. It's a longer quote, but if you would read that for us. Sure. Upon the fundamental error of natural immortality rests the doctrine of consciousness and death, a, talk, a doctrine like eternal torment opposed to the teachings of the scriptures, to the dictates of reasons, and to our feelings of humanity. By the way, I love the order she puts those mm-hmm. in scripture, then reason, and our feelings, right? Mm-hmm. According to the popular belief, the redeemed in heaven are acquainted with all that takes place on the earth and especially with the lives of friends whom they've left behind. But how could it be a source of happiness to the dead to know the troubles of the living, to witness the sins committed by their own loved ones, and to see them enduring all the mm-hmm. sorrows, disappointments, and anguish of life? How much of heaven's bliss would be enjoyed by those who are hovering over their friends on mm-hmm. earth? And how utterly revolting is the belief that as soon as the breath leaves the body, the soul of the impenitent is consigned to the flames of hell. To what great depths of anguish must those be plunged who see their friends passing to the grave unprepared to enter upon an eternity of woe and sin? Mm. So the spirit of the righteous goes straight into heaven, but their friend who never believed, they watched them burning in the flames of hell from, you know... From their vantage point in heaven, yeah. Not something taught in the scriptures, folk. Mm. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm. The The Bible is clear that eternal life is a, is for believers only. And, and Brother Howard, can you just imagine if you were locked in the bondage of that falsehood, that false belief, and then you see that this passage, this passage, the whole clarity of scripture dawning light mm-hmm. on what used to be one of the darkest beliefs mm-hmm. that you had. What freedom you would feel, what peace and mm-hmm. comfort would coming from knowing the truth. That's that, the Lord's that, intent. That we will be free indeed, free from these false ideas that might encapture us to into the snare of Satan, really. You shall you know, know the truth. That's exactly the truth what I was will thinking. make you free. Oh, what a lesson study this week, friends. And I trust that your Sabbath school will be blessed as you discuss these things. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word even for the difficult truth of about the destruction of the wicked and how much better your word is than Satan's falsehoods about it. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom and peace we can have knowing the truth. And while we have this life, we have the opportunity for eternal life in Jesus Christ. Help every one of us, Lord, to make that choice to be his and his alone. And through us, may we be messengers of that grace to the world and let your uh, good news, your gospel message go to all ends of the earth. We pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Talking Points. To make sure you don't miss a single episode, subscribe to the Talking Points podcast on all major podcast platforms. To watch Talking Points and other helpful video content, subscribe to our Emanuel Institute YouTube channel today. And finally, for all your Sabbath school, personal ministries, and public evangelism resources, visit michigansspm.org.